Welcome, my darling true crime angels, to another edition of Web Sleuths Radio. We're going to go back in time to November 1985. A deer hunter discovers a steel drum with the remains of a woman and a young girl. The unidentified woman was thought to be about 23 to 33 years old, while the girl was estimated to be about 9 or 10. Without modern resources and forensic testing, detectives looked but were unable to crack it. Fast forward to the year 2000, when a trooper looks into the cold case and comes across another barrel with two more bodies, a girl believed to be three or four years old and another believed to be about two or three. Investigators later determined that the woman, the oldest child and the youngest child were related. The bodies went unidentified for years until an amateur sleuth looked into the case and cracked a real-life murder mystery. Rebecca Heath is a librarian from Connecticut, and she's an amateur sleuth as well. She certainly is an inspiration to our members on websleuths.com and listeners to this podcast, and we couldn't be more delighted to have her on WebSleuths Radio Podcast right at this moment. Welcome, Rebecca Heath. You are such an inspiration because you truly are the the epitome of what one person can do if they put their mind to it. And everybody out there has something to offer. But, Rebecca, I want to go back to the very beginning here because your story is so compelling. You didn't just one day... Oh, it's it's all true. You were amazing. But you didn't one day think, well, I'm going to be a sleuth and I'm going to solve this amazing case and, and go from there. Tell us the origins of your sleuthing uh, when you wanted to start sleuthing and how it came about. I, I, I never once thought, wow, let me, let me solve a crime in my spare time. It, it, it originally started me coming across cases of Jane Doe's and seeing that these cases were unsolved and relating these cases back to my to my to my life um being 19 years old and being estranged from my family walking away from everything i had known um being so vulnerable and seeing how i could have easily made decisions that had made me go down paths that were not good and come into contact with people that that were not good, I can look back now and say, wow, I, I you know, I'm, I'm really blessed. I would see these Jane Doe's and think I could have been that. I could have been that person. Um, and if I had, something had happened to me, my family would not have come looking for me. No one would have come looking for me. So at that point, I had kind of decided within myself that I, I wanted to try and be a voice for these Jane Doe's. So I guess that's where the where the sleuthing side of me came out. So it was uh, a want to want to help others who were lost. And if I could play armchair psychologist, and I won't get ask you to get into any details because that it could be a whole other Dr. Phil episode, let alone a Web Sleuths <laughs> podcast episode. But... Uh, you say you're, you don't talk to your family anymore, and perhaps maybe in a psychological sense, you are searching for missing people because you are missing your family too, 
and you wanted to make sure that these missing Jane Doe's were able to connect with their families, kind of a way to help you heal, perhaps? You know, I, I look back now, I don't think that I saw it as as quite as see-through as it. I can see it now looking back at it, but I, I do think it truly was. I, 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 I was thankful that I had not become one of these Jane Doe's and let me be the voice for them since they don't have a voice. Let me let me be that for them. So you ended up uh, at a great job. You're a librarian, and you're a librarian in Connecticut. To hear you mm-hmm. talk about your background, I never would have thought that uh, you were one of the, the many people who, unfortunately, every year uh, have to leave their families because of whatever reason, usually some sort of abuse. But you've mm. certainly have made an incredible life for yourself and have a stand-up job. I mean, everybody thought a librarian was maybe perhaps a bit boring. <laughs> Not you. Uh-uh. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I worked, I worked hard. Well, let's talk about the cases. Okay, now in my introduction, I talked a little bit about the actual cases themselves. Can we take a, a kind of a step-by-step a journey, if you will, on how you were able to help solve these Jane Doe cases. Tell us why you picked these cases and how it all came about and how it all was put together. Okay. I, I, can, I can certainly try and paint the picture. Um, this, this specific case stood out to me the first time I, I came across it. I noticed there was one of two barrels found, and the first barrel was found in November 10th of 1985 and I was born November 13th of 1985 so that always kind of stood out to me as a little bit interesting that little tidbit Mm -hmm. Um, but then with these Jane Doe cases it was something that was kind of near and dear to me and when there are children involved that makes it even makes me want to kind of fight for them even more and give them a, a voice even more. So this this case had three little children, three little girls, and I just I just felt like someone somewhere is looking how do I connect those dots? How do mm-hmm. I how do I find those people? How do I reach them? How do how do we get them their names back? Can I can I stop you there for one second, Rebecca, and mm-hmm. and ask how did you pick this case? Did you go online and say, I'm looking for something that I can maybe help with? Why this case? And how, when you went online, where, where did it take you and how did you land on this case? I, I actually came across this case by, at, at work going through newspaper archives, I came across it from something completely different, a completely different um, subject. And came across it and thought, oh, that that's that's an interesting case. Um, that's that's interesting. But this was in the 80s that I that I thought it had taken place. So I figured, oh, that must have they must be identified now. And when I started looking into it and seeing, wait a second, there's an entire family, and nobody has nobody has identified them yet like this this, somebody knows something like there there has to be information out there so that that's really 
all that it took was the dates, the the children involved. Um, I don't. I'm not sure if there's an there's another case like this where there's essentially an entire family that has gone missing and nobody knows anything. So you you decided this case because of the family, the potential of of reuniting this these uh, missing people with their with their families. So. Obviously, you get on the Internet. What year did you get on the Internet to start sleuthing, and what did you do first? So the case itself, I kind of looked in and out of it. I never proactively started researching this case until uh, New Hampshire State Police came out with a press release, and they had identified who they thought the perpetrator was. Mm -hmm. They identified him as Bob Evans. And I, at that point, was really into the case. But once they had identified this is the perpetrator, I was hooked. I couldn't understand. We have all of these pieces. How, how, How do we not know who these victims are you usually find out who the victim is first and then you can point to who the the killer is right so it 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 just had me hooked i needed i needed to know more so that was i want to say november of 2017 when they made that was it 20 i'm trying to remember the dates correctly um but they identified okay we know who the perpetrator is now so let and me let they, me let me stop you right there. They identified the perpetrator, and you had already been looking into this case of these uh, missing people, trying to find out who they who they are, who they were, right? And how long had you been looking into it before they identified the perp? So I would say it was it wasn't proactively researching. I, I didn't truly get, I'll I'll say obsessed with the case until that press release until the perp was was named okay that's i just wanted Mm -hmm. to to clear that up so they come out and that is really unusual for the cops to say okay we don't know these victims but we know who killed them so you Mm -hmm. see that and you think well i'm going to try to do something what happens next so i i put myself in the position of well first of all I, i kept seeing people comment on the case how does no how is no one looking for them mm-hmm. how is nobody looking for them and i kept thinking no someone's looking for them it's it's not a it's not a question of why is no one looking it's how do we find the people who are looking so i put myself in the position of if i was looking for a loved one where would i go what would i what would i do and and i wouldn't the first thing I wouldn't think of would not be, let me check, um, like, missing persons database. You, you you genuinely want to think that your loved one is simply just moved across the state or, mm-hmm. or, or is within the country, you know, just has not kept in contact. So I tried to put myself in the position of someone who would be searching. So I started looking on any websites that had message boards. Mm-hmm. And I would start using keywords. I started using anything that I thought could be relevant that 
that a loved one would be searching for someone um, in any type of message board. There's so many message boards out there. Um, I I would start. I started. I actually started compiling this this list, and any time I would find a potential, what I thought would could possibly a potential match, I would put it in this list, and I would go through each post one by one and try and find. Could I find any records of you know the individuals being alive, mm-hmm. um, and and kind of ruling them out one by one off of this list. And then you came upon a series of messages on an Ancestry website, right? Now, this is after the yes. police have come out and said, we know who killed uh, these people. We don't know the name. We don't know their names, but we have the uh, the suspect. So you're on one of these sites, and you come up, up across a clue mm-hmm. and, and a series of messages about a missing woman named, and I, I, how do you pronounce the name? Is it Marlise? Marlies Honeychurch. Tell us about that moment. Tell us what happened then. So I was using keywords like um, half sister, stepsister, California, any anything that would pull up what I thought would be a potential match. Mm-hmm. And I, I came up with one post that was from 1999 and it was off of ancestry message board and this woman was looking for a Sarah McWaters mm-hmm. which was her husband's half sister and she gave some vague details on who the mother was, the location. She had mentioned California. Um, the years were like 1977 to, I want to say, 78. It was within the time frame that it could have logically have been in. And when I, so anytime I would see a match, I would look and see if there were other posts because a lot of times people will post on more than one website or mm-hmm maybe post another post with more details. And as I started looking into Sarah McWaters, I noticed that Sarah McWaters had a half-sister, Marie Vaughn, mm-hmm. and that her her side of the family was also looking for her. So not only was there a mother, there were two daughters. We knew that they were not paternally related. Mm-hmm. And these two girls had two different fathers. So everything seemed to fit so far into, I'll, I'll, call, I'll call them the matches. Like right. it, nothing had ruled it out at this point. So in other words, what, what you're discovering now is, yes, it's this group of people, but they're from, they have different relatives. And these rel- one set of relatives is searching for this one and another set of relatives searching for this one. And you kind of put them all together. Okay, well, this is kind of a family. And that's how yeah. it came about. Okay, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't even think, I don't, wouldn't even know how to begin to do that. So, I'm sorry, continue on. So, how did you make, how did you determine all of these matches? And when did you feel you had enough evidence to go to the sheriff? 
Well, it was it it it. I had come across this post, thought it was a good match, but with with a lot of these, I mean, I I, I ruled out so many posts. I, I I went through hundreds of them. Like you you come to so many potential matches, mm-hmm. and usually it. It's always, oh, okay, no. Oh, okay, no. So there's a lot of, oh, wait, this works, this works, this this lines up. And then you kind of learn to not get your hopes up. You're like, okay, this is probably, you know, just another rabbit hole I'm going down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this one, I had followed the case, and there was a couple of pages on Facebook that people would post – and on one of the groups, I put, I threw it up there and said, hey, does anyone think that this could be the victims, the girls? And I didn't really get any feedback from it. Nobody, like, really seemed to be like, yeah, go, go for it. So I kind of put it on hold. I didn't really pursue it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I started going back to the list and ruling out more, but I would keep going back to that post. Um, I was like, why? But I have to, I, I can't say no. It's, I haven't ruled it out completely. Um, and at that point, New Hampshire State Police had then made another press release saying, okay, who we thought was Bob Evans, this perpetrator, we now know his true identity. He was born Terry Peter Rasmussen. Mm-hmm. So that just added like a whole nother, oh, okay, well, now now we know for sure this is who we're looking for. We're not looking for a Bob Evans, but now we know him as Terry Rasmussen. His legal and, name, yes. Mm-hmm. Then it just got me going back into this case again. And a, a podcast had recently come out, so I, I had to listen to it because I was so obsessed with this case. I just needed to know every tidbit like any possible detail that I miss Mm -hmm. and as I'm listening to this podcast they start covering isotopes of where the girls were born where they were potentially where they grew up all of these these markers and I'm again saying wait a second I think these this is that post. This is that post that I can't rule out. This this is them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm confident enough that it's them. So I decided uh, I'm going to contact this woman. I have to find her. The woman that posted, I need to find her. I need to figure out, I, did you find them or not? I need to know. The woman that posted, not not anybody on the podcast, but you're talking about the post that you told us about a little bit earlier. So, yes, okay. yes, the post from 1999. Got it. Okay. So I decide, all right, I'm going to track her down and figure this out once and for all so I can put this to the side. So I um, I tracked her down through Facebook. Because a lot of times with these old postings, like email addresses are broken mm-hmm. or people don't log into those accounts anymore. So I figured surefire way was try and track her down right. on Facebook. So this is about, I want to say about 9 o'clock at night, I sent out a message. You know, I'm wondering if you're the individual that had posted looking for a ceramic waters. And I 
I got a response back, like, within minutes. Wow. That must have been so exciting. I, I was shocked. You know, I was thinking, oh, you know, they're going to find it the next morning. And right away, she said, um, I, I, am the, I am that person, and um, you've, you've got my heart racing. And, and I thought, oh, my goodness, maybe she thinks that I'm Sarah McWaters. Let me, like, mm-hmm. just, you know, let me, let me tell her that I'm someone that tries and helps other people look for other, like, looking for loved ones. And I thought maybe I could help her. And so she kind of just starts telling me the information that she knows about Sarah, the information she knows about Marlise, and I, I think maybe 10, 12 minutes into it, you know, she's telling me details about Sarah, like her eye color, um, things with, with Marlise, and she throws in, oh yeah, and, and Marlise left with a guy, and his last name was Rasmussen. And I... <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that must have I, been a, just a oh moment. I still... It still makes my heart race. It, it, it's just a feeling of just complete disbelief. Like you... Like you just stop. Something... Something well, time stops for you. It does. And let me just let me just make this very clear. Out of all the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of posts that people put on Ancestry pages and other pages, you are able to find this one from 1999 and almost 20 years later, that post is still nagging at you. And you hear that this guy is arrested and, you know, that they're still trying to identify the people. And you just think, I'm going to find this woman, and you find her, and she says the name of the suspect. That this was the last person one of the women uh, was last seen with. Oh, I can't even imagine. I mean, it's not a coincidence. It's, it's hard. It's hard work. And Rebecca, Rebecca Heath, I just want to remind everybody: this is exactly what every single one of us can do. We can make a huge difference. And look what you did. But I, I'm sorry, I just had to, I had to boast about you because I, I mean, you are such a great example of what people can do when they set their mind to it. So now you hear this, time spot stops, your heart is racing, you don't know what to do. But eventually, hopefully, I'm assuming very soon, you contacted the authorities. Did they think you were just nuts or what? <laughs> well, um, well yeah, so, so it happened at night. And it was like by the time I was done talking to her, and I, I mean, at that point, I was shake. I could not even type. I could not. I was shaking. I'm shaking. I'm going, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. This is something huge. Oh my god. This is something huge. I, I, I didn't sleep that night. I couldn't sleep because I just wanted. I needed to talk to law enforcement. I needed, like, this was you. You knew it was something huge. Mm-hmm. Um. So the next day. It was, I tried finding the, the phone number for, oh, my goodness, who do I even contact? Who right. Do I, like, who do I let? No. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I called San Bernardino 
uh, police department, and they said, no, no, you got the wrong phone number. It's the sheriff's department. And I'm a, it's just like well, I'm in this. Right. I just want to talk to somebody. Somebody. You're please. in Connecticut. You don't know about the <laughs> sheriff and the police and the election, who's elected, who's not, who gets a job, who's, you know, families having trouble. I mean, come on. It's like just give this woman a break here. <laughs> you know, let her, let her know that she's on the right track anyway. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, after a couple failed attempts, I finally got a hold of Detective Headley in California, and I I started talking to him. I I had never called in before. I'd never submitted tips. I'm, you know, this is my first time putting out any information, so um, I was like, you know, Detective Headley, I feel like... You get this all the time. Everyone thinks they're giving you a tip that's like a big lead. Mm-hmm. But, but I said, you know, I, I really, really, truly feel that this is going to be the break. This is going to, to, to be the break in this case. And he's like, well, you know, you know, we get a lot of yeah, tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know? heard that type of attitude before. I know what you mean. <laughs> And um, so, I I mean, I I got it. I was like, yeah, well, here are the few things. And I started telling him the coincidences that just this was, they have two different fathers. This is their ages. These are everything lined up so much. Mm -hmm. You you could tell that he was like, wow, this really seems like it could be them. He started getting excited, I'm sure, when he started when you started putting it together for him, and it was obvious, oh, yeah. and you couldn't deny it. Yeah, and then when I, I told him that she had just given me the name Rasmussen, I, I never brought it up. It came up completely out of the blue. He was like, that's just that's just too coincidental. Like, that's that's mm-hmm. that she gave the name out. It wasn't like you were asking for it. Um, so right away, he, he took the the tip very seriously contacted Marlise's siblings that were looking contacted uh New Hampshire police and by the next I want to say the next week they were doing DNA tests on all of the family members that were involved seeing you know is this them and it took about seven months of waiting and waiting. And waiting and waiting but, and waiting. Yes, I met that that was probably just hell for you. But I, So it, it came back. What did you do it, when you heard the results? Um, well, I didn't, it didn't come back as quite as I expected. Um, I had gotten a call the night before, and I had not, I had not heard from uh, New Hampshire State Police up until that point. And they said, oh, you know, the information that you submitted a while back, we just wanted to let you know you might want to listen in to a press release that mm-hmm. we're having tomorrow. And I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Right. What, 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 what does that mean? But, I mean, meanwhile, I had I have been in contact with the family the entire time, so – I knew that they were coming to New Hampshire, and I knew that they wouldn't be doing that for any other re- you know we right. knew, I knew what was happening, but i they hadn't let me know mm-hmm. um, so 
I said, well, can I come up to the press release? Can they're like, would you would you want to do that? And I was like, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, I want to be, yeah, 100%. And, um, and they had said, well, we're going to keep you anonymous. We, we're just going to call you a professional researcher. And I was like, oh, oh, no, no, I'd, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather you just say who I am and that, that, you know, that I'm a librarian. I didn't, right. I kind of felt like it sounded like I was working for them. Can I, can I, um, I just need to stop you here for one second because I, I want to see if something is, was going on. Do you mm-hmm. think they were trying not to give you absolutely all the credit in the world because you are the one that were, a, that you are, you were the one that was able to identify these people and find that one clue? Do you feel like they were trying to go, you know, we're just not going to give her all that credit? I felt that they, the, they w- they would rather say that I was it, it make it sound like I was working for them rather than just some random person out of the blue. Yeah, I, that's exactly. very very frustrating. Exactly. Oh, I hope this story goes the way that I I want it to. Please tell me <laughs> tell me they said your name at the press conference. They they did. They had already set up the uh, PowerPoint presentation, mm-hmm. and so they had not. Uh, it wasn't on the PowerPoint, but then. When they said my name, they did say my name. They they did give me the credit, and and they were very, like from that when I showed up in New Hampshire, they they were very open from then on. Good. Um. So, yeah, they were they were very open about it going forward. So. And so, um, I, I, I'm sorry. Please, please continue. Oh, no, no, sorry. Um, I, I just felt that it was I felt it was so important to get out there that crowdsourcing and, and the public can make such a huge difference by like just one person doing something in their spare time can make such a huge, huge difference. I really didn't want that to be kind of pushed to the side and and Exactly. It's so important. It's so, so, so important that other people know that they can do the same exact thing. Absolutely right. And most police departments, law enforcement departments, are not really open to uh, crowd sleuthing or having outsiders help them. And it is, uh, we are dragging them into the 21st century kicking and screaming. (laughs) Now, there are others that are wonderful. But, uh, Mm -hmm. again, I I could do... A Dr. Phil and an Oprah show on that whole topic, okay, <laughs> of, you know, the police not, not wanting help from people and, and really just pushing us away. But you persisted. So thank goodness they gave you the credit you deserve. So you finally meet, I'm assuming you meet the family, is that? Yep. Okay, was, talk about um, that. So I finally, you know, I've, uh, we had been interacting through uh Facebook and we would talk all the time and it was a very emotional experience because the entire situation they were going through I was a part of it too Mm -hmm. I'm feeling like what they're feeling like they're just constantly having quite and it was seven months seven months of not knowing anything about where your where your your sister had gone with her children, and then finding out all of these 
these this horrible detail like it's 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 so overwhelming mm-hmm. um it, it it was it's like they needed they needed to know it at some point like they can't just keep being pulled through it and finally when they had the press release i did get to meet them and it it was it was good to very emotional see. i would imagine yeah i mean it, it's I'm not going to say it was a good feeling. It mm-hmm. was, it, it's such a, a, a very, 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 very hard situation to, to deal with in general. Um, just seeing how much they were hurting. It's, it's, it's very, that's, that's very hard to, um, well, it's hard to celebrate something like this when, when exactly. there are dead people and, you know, families that have to deal with murder, but it is what they were looking for. And I'm sure that made them as, as, as much as they could be very happy and very grateful to you, I would think. It's, it's so, it's so bittersweet because you, like like you said, it's not, it's, it's, you have a high of, this is great that they get, they have their names back. These, these babies, they're they're going home. They have names. They, their mother, they, they they've got their identities, but there is a, a really really sad part of it that there is a lot of hurt and healing that has to go on with the family. So mm-hmm. it is it it is very bittersweet. Let's talk about the actual case because now we know through that one clue, and I want to reiterate, people. One post from 1999 is what led to the identity of these people that were found. And it was done by Rebecca Heath, not an investigator, just like you and me, although she is a librarian, so she's got to be really smart. We've got we to throw that in there. You've got to be really smart. But, and even you were even able to make a connection to their main suspect. What did the police say happened, or has he confessed, or what was the story? How did they end up murdered? Uh, well, sadly, the perpetrator died in jail under a another alias of his mm-hmm. in 2010. So there really will be no. There's so many questions that are just open right now because we don't know how when where we don't know anything about and i i just i i want to get the answers i really 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 want answers because all the family knows now is this man who they are now assuming is a serial killer they never thought this before mm-hmm. that he, he showed up in 1978 with Marlies at Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. they never saw her again. We don't know when he showed up. We have a, kind of have a timeline of when he showed up in New Hampshire, but then he would pick up and leave off. So he, when he left New Hampshire, he had left with a woman, Denise Bowden, and she was pregnant at the time. Mm-hmm. We've, we have no clue where she is. Um, we know that he came back to California mm-hmm. with her daughter. So it, it, there's so many questions with this case that it's not just a one, you know, he just 
did this and wanted to start his life over or something. It's, it's really just brings so many more questions into, into this case. How frustrating because I'm sure Denise's family is just out of their minds trying to figure out what happened to her. She's missing and the common denom- denominator is this is psycho killer. And who knows how many other missing people did he kill that their families are on Ancestry or everywhere else looking for them? Looking. That's, Ugh, you know, frustrating. That's, 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 that's the thing that I, because there is one little girl that was found in the barrel with Sarah Marie and Marlise, and we only know her as bio child. She is biologically related to Cherry Rasmussen. So we can only assume that he took some mother, mm-hmm. like the mother, where is she? What happens when they can finally identify her? So I've been spending all this time look, like searching through message boards looking for anything I can find on her because she's got a family too. And that this man, Terry Rasmussen, went by a lot of names. Do you have oh those? Goodness. Do you have those handy in your in your memory? I have them here. If you don't, oh, oh, well, I I try and play it um, backwards. He was like he he died in prison as Larry Vanner, mm-hmm. but then before that they knew him as Curtis Jensen. He also went by Gordon Jensen. Uh, Gordon Curtis. Am I getting them all right? Gordon Mayo. He went by uh, Curtis Mayo. He went by Curtis Mayo Kimball. Mm-hmm. Gordon Jensen. Um, Jerry Mockerman. Yes. Uh, and Larry Vander, and then his Terry uh, Petter Rasmussen. That's, that's and the, it. Yeah, and then and then the Bob Evans. Bob Evans. That's right. Bob Evans. Curtis Curtis Mayo. Excuse me. Let me start over. Hello. Bob <laughs> Evans. There's so many. <laughs> There's so many. I didn't know how to begin. Bob Evans, Curtis Mayo Kimball, Gordon Jensen, Larry Vanner, and Jerry Mockerman. And he is legally known as, we think, Terry Rasmussen. So okay. if those names sound familiar to anybody and you're missing somebody, call the authorities because this guy is frightening. I'm sure people listening out there, I didn't know any of this name. I didn't know Terry Rasmussen. He could be a very prolific serial killer, and we have no idea. So that's what it's like, I'm sure. I mean, it just must be an ungodly frustration for these families. For these families. That's that's what it must be like. Mm -hmm. It is. It's, it's, It's frustrating to know that this man will not, like, he, he, he doesn't even have to serve any of the sentence. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, well, hopefully it's he's upsetting. in hell. Hopefully he's in hell. That's just, I mean, if you believe that, let's just hope the, he's in hell. That's the only place that he, he seems fit. Exactly. For sure. Uh, uh, listen, Rebecca Heath, I'm not going to keep you much longer because I do appreciate all the time, but just a couple of other questions. Is there Absolutely. anything that you have learned in this process that you could pass along to our members of WebSleuths.com? Because in addition to we do the same thing, try and find, uh, you know, match up missing people with uh, with bodies, unfortunately, that have been found or, or just general true crime cases. What can you tell our members that you found out that helped you during your search 
for the information for this case? I, I, I don't know if there's one or two. Like, I couldn't say do this or do that. I, I would say most of all, follow your gut. Mm-hmm. There is something about a gut feeling. And if if you've come across a case, a post that seems to line up, don't doubt it. Report it to authorities. Just just do it. Like don't don't hold on to it. Don't mm-hmm. don't question it. It doesn't who who cares if it, it turns out to be nothing and then that's one more rule out. So right. my my only biggest takeaway could be follow your gut instinct and and what seems to be telling you what is right. That is great advice. Two more questions. Uh, First of all, has this changed you? I'm assuming it has, and if so, how? It changed me unbelievably, like more than I I could have even imagined. Um, I've I've always struggled with dyslexia, Mm -hmm. uh, reading, speaking, talking. Um, In my early years, I, I thought I was absolutely unable to comprehend normal information and through through a lot of work and and research i've i've realized that it's my mind works differently than other people it i i think outside the box i don't think the same way that everyone else does mm-hmm. that had i always thought that was such a burden in my life and I truly think that, along with experiences, helped me with this case by by just thinking outside of the box or thinking differently. So um, made me much more accepting of what I considered my flaws, mm-hmm. um, which which I, I, I <laughs> it just makes you, it gives you a completely different perspective on how you accept your own abilities and and how you can make a difference. And that's a great answer. And finally, are you a member of WebSleuths.com? If not, why the heck not? And can we get you to join? (laughs) Because this is just your group of people. These are are your subjects. This is what you would love. Are you aware of WebSleuths and are you a member by chance? I absolutely am aware. I am a member. I I have frequented web sleuths. Um, I I I do admit I'm not like a a frequent participant though. Mm-hmm. That's okay. We'll forgive you this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you that you are a member of web sleuths. And of course, I don't hesitate to call me if there's anything else that web sleuths could ever help you with. You know, we, you have a yeah, think of us as like this big army just waiting to, you know, if you need help with research or whatever. We have people that are amazing from all over the world that will gladly do anything to help because that's why they are on Web Sleuths. So what's next for you? Are you looking into certain cases now? Are you still a full li- full-time librarian? What's going on with your life? Uh, well, this has certainly changed my view on what I thought I wanted to do for a career. And now uh, what I thought was only a hobby, now I'm like, wow, I really this is something I am so passionate about, and I, I really want to get involved in it. So 
there is no way that I'm done with with these cases. If anything, it has just given me a vigor to, to work harder. Mm-hmm. And his other potential victims, that bio child, she, that sweet little angel, those little eyes, I can't, mm. I just, uh, to me, she, 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 she deserves her name back too. She should not just be, she should not just be known as the serial killer's daughter. If she's an innocent baby, she yeah. needs her name back. So that's. Do they know how why, old, how old she was when she died? They assume two to four years old. Okay, so he he had to have this daughter for a couple of years at least. Yes. And, and yeah. wow, what a psycho, creepy bastard! Oh God, he's got to be in hell. So yes. while you're working on that again, if there's anything Loose can do, please let us know. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. And Rebecca, it has been such a pleasure and an honor to talk to you. Good luck with everything, and you have my phone number. Call me. What if there's anything we can do? Okay. All right, thank you so much. Take care now. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Until we meet again, my darling true crime angels, Trisha Griffith saying so long. It's WebSleuth's radio podcast, and we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye now. Don't forget, patreon.com if you want to support WebSleuth. Five bucks a month. Great way to listen for extra content. Bye-bye.